Welcome to Founders and Friends, the company podcast for Tally Foods, hosted by its founders, Kyle Watts, John Gabizadeh, and Dr. Susan Marie Flugel. Well, sorry I'm sick, John, but hopefully it don't sound too terrible. I'm already nasally to begin with, so it's probably not much of a difference. But No worries, no worries. <laughs> battling through a cold uh, today, but feeling better overall. Um, and it's Friday. It's Friday, February 17th. We haven't been on the on the horn together to founders and friends in, in too long. It's probably been three or four weeks. It's been that long? Wow. Yeah, it has been that long. It's gone by quick. Um, today I want to talk about, hear your thoughts about fundraising. We're sort of in the heat of that right now with raising money from various strategies of, of raising money from various folks uh, and in, in various methods. Um, but before we dive into fundraising and talk about our experience with it, hopefully to help other founders with their fundraising strategies, um, I wanted to hit some current events. So I'll see you next week out here in Denver, Colorado. Lovely Denver. It's beautiful today. Sunny. It's so nice here in the wintertime. People think Denver is like really cold. And Well, what do you think? Do you think Denver is like super cold? Uh, actually, I've been checking the weather for the, the two days I'll be there. And it's uh, pretty cold when I'll be there. It's like 19, I think 19. So uh, actually it's snowing next Next week, damn! Oh, that's 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 horrible. Low of three degrees next Wednesday when I arrive. Fahrenheit. That's horrible. And Thursday, low of thirteen. Oh. Oh wow! Yeah, there's. So my point is true and false at the same time because my what I was gonna say is, but look at Monday and Tuesday. It's fifty nine. Damn. Exactly. So that's what happens here. So it'll be super warm and sunny. Because we're at 5,000 feet elevation, uh, so the sun, when it comes out, is like super intense and hot and warm. You get sunburnt really easily, but you warm up really easily in the, summer t- uh, in the wintertime. Let's hope my flight doesn't get canceled. No, no, I don't think your flight's going to get canceled. So it's three, three inches. Yeah, and it's not snowing on Thursday, so you'll be good. Well, I'm going from 50-degree weather in New York, 60 degrees on Wednesday, to 3 degrees, so looking forward to it. You're such a baby. You guys haven't even had a winter there, so... We, we have not got snow this year, believe it or not. That's so, so, so crazy. Um, so, But you'll be out here, and I'll see you for the Investor Showcase. What What's your approach for that? I mean, how do you think we're going to handle that and, and do well? What what's sort of like the John approach on that? Uh, I I think that having our booth there will have a significant presence for you know investors to see and networking and great for us to get connections and see where it goes. I mean, right now we're getting great traction and visibility from the few networks that uh, are are displaying our products for fundraising. So it's coming really well, right? Would you say half a dozen in the last month that uh, wanted to talk to us, which we've been talking to? This will only boost that and give us more uh, visibility. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting that visibility as well. And I'm going to post to Instagram our uh, our like what our booth looks like 
and what our swag looks like, but yes. our logo and our colors are, are awesome. They really pop. They really do. And, and it's fun. It's fun to rep this brand. It's like uh, the rainbow colors and the bright blues and the beautiful packaging. I I think that we will definitely stick out, especially if you look at the other brands. It's a, they're a lot more adult and subtle and unique boutique, high end, all that all that stuff. And we're just like loud and proud with the funny font, lowercase, bright colors. I th- I think it's pretty fun. I I agree. It's going to do really well. So we'll be there. I'll see a bunch of my old friends. I'll introduce you to them. A um, bunch of people I worked with in the White Wave days uh, will be there. A bunch of folks from prior companies will be there. A lot nice. of folks I know on LinkedIn. So it'll be cool because you're not as plugged in with that natural foods community, are you? You're sort of on an island there out in Long Island. Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, at all. <laughs> you just sell your stuff and go home, yeah? Yeah, we, we, we do well without needing our brand's uh, – Simply eggless without having to be part of that stuff. So this would be different, Tally. And then we're, we just got set up in two big distributors. Uh, you want to speak to that? Yeah, sure. So there's two large, two of the largest distributors for f- food in the U.S. are Kehe, K-E-H-E, and UNFI. Uh, we got onboarded uh, last week with UNFI because we got Kroger, Vitacost taking our both SKUs, which is a big deal, uh, into three DCs. And we got Kehi onboarding us, uh, which, which will give us access to 2,000 independents, which we're going to launch as of uh, next couple months when we're, we're set up. It takes time to get onboarded, so that's that's the downside once they accept you. So we're, we, we've passed some big hurdles, and probably around April we'll have uh, much, much greater uh, traction in, in the retail sec- sector of, uh, of, of the uh, U.S., Natural Channel, Main, Main Street Channel. So exciting for us uh, right now to, to get, get, uh, get this good news. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Pods, too. Forgot about that. That's another one, yeah. Pods is another distributor that is up and coming, works differently than the regular Kehi UNFI, but uh, they're... they're this small but uh, growing, disrupting the distribution business. Different model. You, you, you. Uh, you it's kind of on a consignment basis. Uh, we work well with them. I, I think it's a great opportunity too. Yeah, I like their model. It's similar to Dot Foods, where it is consignment. It's tr- it truly is consignment, where you pretty much still own your inventory. They just hang on to it and then ship it out for you. Right. It's, it's nice. And we've sampled retailers all across the country we've sampled Wegmans in the northeast which if you're from the northeast you you definitely know and love Wegmans it's the highest dollar per square foot store in the country it's not even close so that means that for every store that Wegmans builds they make more money than anybody else for that store um it's a crazy high metric that they do it's like a I don't know the exact number, but I know it's like by a f- like verse like one Wegmans versus one Walmart is like it's significantly more times the velocity of a, even the highest volume Walmarts. That's insane. Well, it makes sense when you go in one though. You see how? Have you been to the prepared food section in that store? 
It's unbelievable. I, I have not, no. I have, but I heard it's it's something to see. There's there's uh, it's some oh my gosh it's they have like lobster uh, claws and spreads and like homemade fish spreads and they have like tw- fifteen different types of sushi and like it, that doesn't even scratch the surface on it. I mean they literally have like everything that you would make for dinner that's would be premium is just like ready. It's like it's like almost a third of the store is like prepared. Amazing. Take home and heat up. It is amazing. It's a great store. I heard their uh, Brooklyn store close by me is their one of the largest volume, uh, volume stores in out of all their whole chain of hundreds four stores. I bet. Yeah, I bet. I bet that Wegman's Brooklyn store absolutely crushes. So they love being new on products. Wegman's loves being on the leading edge of innovation, which is cool. And you know they're localized, so it's easy to sort of wrap your head around distributing to them you're not biting off like a walmart which is like oh my gosh they're in every single state they're in the northeast so it's good for us uh supply chain wise and then they like being on the on the bleeding edge and we are certainly there with a zero sugar chickpea milk that's totally new um, now i do want to say and, and so it's a good fit for us totally i do want to say it's not very easy to get in front of the buyer uh you know so getting their attention is a very big deal and we get that from the first email where they responded within hours. So this is a good traction we're getting because buyers know the velocity of the competitor of this this particular item. And because of that, they, they want to entertain and, and try samples. So th- these are all positive uh, for, for our brand. And then Sprouts as well. Uh, we connected with them back in mid-December, December 20th-ish, and we hadn't even produced yet. As you guys know, we produced January 10th. And here, here we go. You know they've sampled it; it's positive, and we just sort of move through the the review schedule. Do you want to tell folks about the review schedule? Because even me, I get impatient. And you're like, oh, you just gotta follow the schedule. So there's a very certain schedule that the retailers follow to stay organized. Yeah. So throughout the year, every retailer has what they call a category review, and what you do is you submit. To, for that particular category, whether it's plant-based milk or whatever whatever your product is, you, you have to find out when it is. Each supermarket has a different month, and they you submit for the category review. Then you hope to get accepted for the for the reset. The reset would be six to nine months later from the uh, date when they would uh, review the product. So. Uh, right now, it's in in the in the stage of being reviewed. We'll probably find out in the next thirty forty five days. My best guess that they, they've they've hopefully have accepted it, and this goes across uh, you know all all the different retailers where where uh, they reset the product. Now there are times when they would do like a cut in if they really see opportunity, and they see other slow selling SKUs, they would replace it quickly. Uh, which which is uh, you know op- opportunistic for us as well. Uh, so we should get in front of every buyer like we did yesterday for Walmart. I know you were hesitant and against it because we're too young, but you know getting traction into a, a region of Walmart would be good now to test it also, right? If, if they accept us. There's just phasing of retailers that you have to be mindful of because every retailer has a different consumer base. Um, and are like are more exploratory towards certain products than others. So, like 
a Walmart shopper might just be very used to silk and that's totally cool, you know, and less exploratory in the plant-based sec. Like they, they might just think I want my almond milk or my soy milk. And so you gotta be careful, you know, you, you just need more brand awareness in general to do well in mass and mass is Walmart, which it means they cover the entire country. It's called mass and they sell grocery and non-grocery items. So I mean I I think we landed at a good place. Like we should probably go into a region of Walmart. Northeast is just fine. Cuz the other thing too John is like you don't want to fail in a test. I agree with right? you. But but if my last company did that, like we went into they went to Meyer and failed and then it was really hard to get back into Meyer cuz that buyer was on the desk still and like I the buyer doesn't like know or follow you and like oh you're going to you're so much better now. Like they don't they have so many brands. So you don't want to like foul up those waters. That that makes me nervous. I, I, I you make I am I'm one hundred percent aligned, but if we do get the blessing from a buyer to put us in fifty stores, let's say, that's that's on us to do whatever we have to on social media, on marketing, to, to boost the velocity per, per per store. I mean, that's our chance right there to to, to, to show uh, you know that the product will, will, will sell. You're right, though. If it doesn't, then we're, we're doomed with that particular buyer. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be doomed. <laughs> but, but, I mean? but here's the thing: what, what should we do? Wait for the next competitor to take our spot? I mean, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. Now's the time. I mean, the mothers know what they're looking for as as far as a certain product. It's this is not another obviously milk, but it caters to a specific demographic. So uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and the way I look at it is we'll, we'll get our chance at Walmart and we'll make it a good, honest effort. But in terms of phasing, I would say that Wegmans, like a premium grocery channel like Wegmans, uh, Meyer in the Midwest, um, HEB in the South, uh, Publix in the Southeast, like those are the like – we're, we're, we're going to do well at those accounts. Just no doubt. point blank, flat out. Will we do well at Walmart is is more of a TBD. And so it's like I'd rather focus and do well at those accounts and then move into the TBD accounts uh, second. Um, well noted. But like, yeah. But like we'll take – there's an element of we'll take what we can get at this point. But also we shouldn't be, be too greedy. Um, there's a great book called Ramping Your Brand by James Richardson, which talks about – he's a really smart consultant in CPG – and he talks about how founders like you and I, we get greedy and we get impatient and we just take whatever we can get. We don't like phase our retail um, strategically yeah. and it causes, causes problems. People like going to Costco too quick, you know, like, oh, Costco wants us. And it's like, well, you can go in there, but if you don't sell, like they literally just give you all your product back and yeah. make you pay for yeah. it. That's, that's a completely um, different demographic, a Costco buyer. From, yeah, from a Walmart so is Walmart. Buyer, right. Right, they're both just very unique demographics. Uh, we sampled Meyer. Oh, we didn't sample Meyer. We submitted submitted for their review. H E B. We submitted for their review. Never been to an H E B. Always wanted to. What's special about it? Uh, it's like the Wegmans of Texas. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. People are. It's family owned, employee owned. Uh, and it's uh. Amazing. Like I've seen photos and stuff and it's just beautiful stores. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful stores. High velocity, super loyal. 
fan base and they do a lot of good stuff for their community like when houston had the floods and various things happened heb will step up and give away food and water and it's just really really a cool a cool store nice and then we submitted samples to albertson's uh which is a western uh grocery store owned by safeway 12 we submitted to albertson's socal yeah socal right there's a division of uh many divisions that total twelve thousand stores across the country yeah, and they're looking to merge with Kroger at the moment. I think that I think that uh, that go through. I think the merger. No, it, that won't go through for a minute. What, there was a recent merger with Kroger. Who was that? Well, that they proposed it. Uh, Kroger proposed a buyout, but the SEC has to approve the or the uh, whoever does that. Got it. Federal Trade Commission has to approve it because it would create. They would own like. A crazy amount of stores. They would Kroger would become the number one grocer above Walmart overnight. Wow! By a factor of two to three x. Yeah, their store count would increase to like seven, eight thousand stores, I believe. Insane. Which is crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot of power to have. Insane. And then we've been sampling consumers and getting great feedback. Yeah, tell us about that. I mean, I've you know been sending them out to a mix of Instagram folks so before we produced i was reaching out to people connecting uh friending people messaging them letting them know about our product and just like the concept of it you know and the concept excites people which is cool to see you know which was cool to see you know zero sugar high in protein fortified with vitamins and nutrients for childhood development you know that's that's pretty cool and the big question becomes, how does it taste? Yeah. And so that's been the exciting thing is to see these Instagram folks. I've sent out like f- uh, 15 to 20 sample kits, and everybody's liked them. Some kids like the original. Some kids like the chocolate, which is really cool to, cool to see. You, you know, everyone's going to like the chocolate in general. But I was worried, like, oh, this original is going to taste bad. But honestly, ever since you and I tasted it, when we drank it right from the silo at our co-packer, which was really a fun experience, we just, they just, yeah, we drank it straight from the uh, storage silo, uh, which was crazy. Yeah, it's like this 15,000-gallon silo, and it it all comes into this little spigot, and you just pour it into a glass. (laughs) So the the silo's outside. It's like this huge corn silo, and we're just like drinking this dainty little glass sample. I just thought that was funny, but it tasted good then. And then, you know, I've gained a lot of confidence since tasting it then, so it doesn't surprise me people like the taste, but it's still nice to see. Oh, yeah, you need validation from people for sure. I mean, you, you and I have been testing this for many months thinking it's good, now we're getting actual validation from third parties. So it's very rewarding to see that or hear that. It is. It is. And it makes me feel good that adults like it as well because obviously the buyers taste it with their kids. But if they don't have kids, like, and honestly, they need, the buyer needs to think it tastes good. Right. Like That does help. <laughs> and so the fact that it works for an adult palate um, is a good thing for us. Um, we've also found some good partners. Uh, I think that's sort of been in the strength of uh, our little two-man team. You know, I, I did a photo shoot, updated the website this week with some new photography. I did the digital photo shoot with Suna, which was a cool experience. If you're looking for f- photography for your brand, you can go to Suna 
Co. And like you send them samples, you send them a case of product, and then you run like a digital video chat uh, during the photo shoot. So you can see the photo shoot happening, you can chat with the photographer, and they get like all the shots that you want. That was a good experience. Yeah, actually, we were finally able to hire. Looks, looks oh, beautiful. I'm looking at the website now. The shots you put up are gorgeous. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Jay, uh, we also found a local photographer, Jay, who will edit those today or tomorrow. And uh, we'll work with him going forward. But it was a good way to get get, get going. And then, you know, Cameron Rome with Retrospect Media House, excited to get going with him. He, you, He's a digital media genius in terms of buying ads on Facebook and Instagram and knowing all the metrics and the cons- customer acquisition costs. And you push, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, uh, digital media. So we got him. And then these guys at Declassified really know what they're doing. They got me reading scripts and making videos for TikTok, which we'll be putting out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, those guys are really fun and super smart. A lot going on. We hired a PR person. Yeah, we hired a PR person, Nicole. Because we got to get out in the trade publications. We got to get out there. No doubt. And then, yeah. And then Ron Ray keeps keeps us going with his uh, creative input, which is always welcome from, from your buddy Ron, who's been great for yeah. us. So we've been busy with, with partners. But in order to pay those partners, we need moolah and in order to get moolah we have to raise it as well as get sales and get po's from customers and stuff so fundraising is a big thing we're raising a quite a large safe note right now which is a convertible equity note which basically means that you're buying a a portion of the company at a future valuation not to exceed in our case eight million dollars for the for the value of the company so you get a sizable chunk of the company for a sizable investment and we basically go around and, and, and show people our pitch deck and we sample folks and they get a feel for our brand and what the opportunity is to serve kids a nutritious beverage, which is a really meaningful market and a large market. Um, but it's it's meaningful like personally, like it's a fun thing to sell and like people like definitely have globbed onto us for that. Um, but our strategy has really been just taking all the conversations we can and showing people what we're up to. Um, and you know, we'll see how it goes. How do you see these next couple months playing out in terms of fundraising? Because we will definitely need to raise some more money. Yeah. I mean, it, it naturally comes. I always tell you it, it, it always works out. And this week for the first time you said that too, and made me very happy to hear that from you where you said to me, John, as you always say, it always works out. This is this is life. We just gotta we gotta just gotta uh, think positive, move forward, do what we have to do. Present at this stage, we have product. We surpassed the you know hurdle of production, and we have physical product right now. We're selling it. We're we're, we're active. We're live. Let's just keep presenting. Uh, the right investor that that's fit for us will come forward, uh, or investors, and we'll get what we need to to fuel this. But uh, nothing will stop us. We have inventory. We're going to fulfill the DCs of uh, the distributors with product. We're going to get on the retail shelf in the next 60 days, and it's going to be a big impact uh, on on, uh, on getting on a national level. So uh, the company is 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 evolving fast, and I'm I'm happy with with where we're at. I I'm confident Wegmans will take it. Uh, you know, the original buyer Pat wants to send it to the uh, master buyer, so. 
things are going good. That was an interesting conversation we had with one investor last Friday. You know, he, he wants to see us get accepted. Like, he doesn't want to take on this level of risk. He's like, come come back to me when when you have sprouts, you know? Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's understood, understandable. We're only doing this for a month, not even right now, with, with pushing, you know, distributors. We're getting onboarded fast. So he's right. He said, all I need to know is you have one commitment. And he'll come on board. So uh, that'll give us more credibility uh, to be able to have uh, one, one, one retailer that validates that they'll take it into you know, a few hundred stores. Yeah, that's, that's what we need is, is just some, some momentum on that front. And we will get it. And we already are getting it with UNFI and Kehi, the big distributors. We'll pick up a bunch of mom and pop shops. But, and certainly if Sprouts and Wegmans come on, then we'll be off to the races. Um, what are some of your negotiation tactics and, and what's your presentation style when you're speaking with people who have lots of money and you need it? I just be honest and give give the give the honest facts, not give them fluff where they can see right through you. Us, right? That's very important. I've spoken to a lot of investors where you, you give them honesty. They they tell you thank you for your honesty. Thank you for uh, you know telling me the, the reality. And they, 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 they uh, consider, I think, uh, over some company like Fees and BS and, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they don't want to work with people like that. So uh, no negotiation tactics right now. I mean, once we get offers, uh, we, we, can, we can talk and see whether it's different from what we're asking for. But we stand firm on, on our valuation. We stand firm on what... Uh, what we're, what we're giving and the, the right investor will come forward and, and, and work with us. Uh, I was talking with some other founders this week and some of the tips that they had, which I thought was cool was they had four tips. We'll see if you agree with them. They said, talk less when you're, when you're pitching your company. Do you agree what, with that? And listen 100%. One very important fact is let them do more of the talking and we should never offer information when, when, when they're not asking for it. That's very, very important for us uh, never to, to, to offer uh, things that we cannot deliver now. Uh, that's, that's key. Yeah, he, he was funny. He, and he's, he, he's right. He says the more you talk, the more often you'll talk your way into problems. Investors are they're really uh, finicky and skittish. And it's like catching a rabbit. You know, They'll supercharge supercharge your business with their money, but like getting them to do that is 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 incredibly difficult because their job is to say no. I mean, their job is to make a return on their portfolio, which means like unless it's a guaranteed success in their eyes, they have to say no. They're not, or else they would they would lose their their funds. I I agree with this logic. Also, when it comes to sales, when we have the buyer's attention. Not to oversell ourselves, not to overtalk ourselves. Just you know, answer the the point and and, and let them ask the questions. Uh, I think this goes for for both investors and uh, buyers. Definitely talk less. It used to drive me crazy when I'd go into sales meetings and my boss or my colleague would would talk for twenty minutes of the thirty minutes. No one likes to get no. sold to. No one enjoys that experience of being sold to. You want to just talk and listen and have a conversation and honestly have it have them tell you everything. You know, everyone likes That's to right. talk. Everybody, everybody's Let everybody's voice is the most important thing they want to hear. So, yeah, it's the most 
precious thing. Their name, their child's name, their spouse's name, and their voice. I I guess you read Dale Carnegie's uh, How to Win Win Friends and Influence People. (laughs) Yeah. Well, does he say that? Is that exactly what he says? Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's why people always ask, "How's the family? How's your daughter?" And then have have them talk because then they're in a they're comfortable. You know, some of the best some of the best salesmen don't talk about the product. They just talk about the person they're with and uh, how things benefit them, right? These are, these are the things that sell, not, you know, my product can do this, my product can do that. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's <laughs> looking at their own pocket, their own life, their own, their own self, right? That's, that's the most important thing. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. And so in, they don't care. They don't like, you can't act like it's life or death for you when you're in a room with a buyer or an investor um, because that comes off as desperate and it comes off as like extremely self-centered because to your point, you know, they see a bunch of people like you, you know, and th- their life's going to go on if they invest or buy your product or not. And and you have to be able to meet them that energy level and be like, let's just have a normal conversation. Right. Um, you have to be very confident. That's, that was point number two exceedingly confident he said and i i agree with him you can't come off as sheepish or anything less than uber confident so there's a there's a fine there's a fine line there there's there's confident and there's arrogant so it's it's very important to speak firm you know not loud like yelling but strong and you know when when the buyer's uh attention by being confident right or, or investors attention but being cocky and arrogant could come across as well uh, when, when someone's talking too much or giving, you know what I'm saying? Thinks they know everything. So that's, uh, someone has to be careful on that. But 100% agree. Confidence is, is key in everything. So arrogance would be like, you're stupid if you don't bring my product in. Right. <laughs> you know, what are you thinking, you idiot? <laughs> you know, that, that <laughs> that's arrogance. And confidence is just, you're really confident that you can help that's that right. that person out. Um Creating FOMO. That's a great one. Fear of not missing out. Yeah. You got to create some urgency around whatever you're doing, especially fundraising. I agree with that. That's that's a good, good, uh, good, good point. And the last one was uh, look bigger than you are and occasionally bluff. That's <laughs> what, do you, think that's about what that? you talked about on our first podcast when we first called our co-packer, first call with him. And look where it took us today. Yeah. So for sure. For sure, that's the for me. That's the most important, the, the, the most important point that got me success in everything that I do in life. <laughs> Look bigger than you are, and occasionally yeah, sure. bluff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, that's true, though. I mean, you people don't want to invest in. It's gonna sound stupid because people are like, "Oh, well, you know, I make." X amount of money per year. So the number I'm about to say is going to sound like, why wouldn't you be interested in that? But if you're less than like a $10 million company, they have absolutely no interest in you. And if you don't have aspirations to be a $100 million company or more, most investors don't really care. Um, so you, there is an aspect of, you know, we're not starting like a local, um, you know, cookie shop here that has a definite ceiling you have to present it like it's a major 
opportunity in, into the nine figures. Right, yeah. absolutely. All right, dude. Well, I will see you next uh, Wednesday night. I'll pick you up at the airport here in Denver. We'll go get – what do you want for dinner that night? What are the options? We have really good uh, Ocean Prime. That's uh, We can't afford that right now, though. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, maybe in two years. I mean, I have no idea where that came from other than I was like I know you like fish and that's like the best fish place there's also a do you like oysters uh, I, I'm kosher so it's not it's not kosher I, I wouldn't be able to eat it oh really you can't no. eat oysters huh See, seafood I can't eat but fish I could eat but you can't eat any uh, like no shellfish? shellfish no because it's a it's a bottom feeder so it's not considered uh, according to the, 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 the law of kosher well, those bottom feeders are really tasty, John. I'm oh, sorry I, to hear that. I know. I used to eat that stuff like crazy before before I became kosher. God bless you. We will go – well, for breakfast Thursday, we'll do Rosenberg's Delicatessen, best bagel, cream cheese, lock situation in Denver. It's phenomenal. For dinner Wednesday night, we'll, I'll find a good spot that has some seafood. Uh, are we doing the cigar afterwards? Yes, we can go to uh, De Palma Cigars. Let's Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Let's see if we can drag him. For sure. For sure. Looking forward. Me too, man. All right. Have a good weekend, and uh, I will uh, catch up with you next week. You feel better. Take care.